Welcome to the PopGo Project Podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainment. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching The PopGo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Contact Keller's today and get your yard cleaned up before that dirty old man winter comes. I hate to say it, but he's on his way. The mornings are cold. They're frigid. I don't like it. I'm turning the uh, the steering wheel warmer on. I'm, I'm putting the seat warmers on. It's, it's just miserable. But contact Keller's today. And if you're looking for snow removal services during the winter months, they can take care of that for you too. Do not break your back this winter and leave the heavy lifting to the professionals at Keller's family owned and operated. Their team is looking forward to serving you Keller's garden center and landscaping services located on Kern street in Exeter near blue ribbon dairy. Find them on social media to learn more. Welcome to the show, Mr. Ted Hazard. Is that how you say it, Hazard or Hazard? No, you got it right. Hazard? I'm not, I'm not like French or anything like that. Okay. You, you, you are very, you're very dapper, dapperly dressed. I didn't know if you were Hazard. I never thought about it that way. I do, right? I do dress pretty dapper. Right. You know, I kind of feel like if I started kind of saying, pronouncing my name differently, it might go with this whole, like, I think I'm better than you aesthetic I'm trying to pull <laughs> off right now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Just give me 10% of the royalties afterwards. <laughs> and we'll be set. No, but Ted, Ted Hazard, uh, folk punk blues musician from Northeastern Pennsylvania. You and I, uh, I've been familiar with who you are for a long time, and I'm sure we've been in the same room at the same time and probably have never spoken more than two words, if any at all. Uh, so this will be fun. We, we talked briefly at the, uh, the 2020 Steamtown Music Awards. I thought so, yeah. And I, I don't remember the conversation. I just remember you were, you were a little fun, and I was just kind of like swimming in the whole, hey, I just won a Steamtown Music Award, so this is pretty cool kind of deal. So... It was like interesting, <laughs> and that was we were we were going through COVID at the time. It was very it was probably a, a very different atmosphere for the Steamtown uh, Music Awards that year. Yeah, there was. I mean, that year compared to the recent um, award ceremony, it was like night and day. Because when we went in 2020, <clears throat> there was barely anybody there, and then this year you could barely even get through the V spot. Yeah, it's always one of my favorite, uh, you know, week weekdays, weekends of the year, because it's a time like you know musicians typically are always playing out on the weekends, so this event is on a Thursday night at the V Spot. Vinny and Frank go all out, uh, get a tent outside, make sure everyone's comfortable as possible, and just a great night of um, you know hanging out with the people that are in the industry doing doing the thing, you know. 
yeah, it's it's really fun because I mean, like me being a quote unquote folk musician, I don't get to play a lot of shows with like metal bands or hip hop artists or I mean, I do get to play shows with pop punk bands all the time, but a lot of like different bands and different genres I don't really get to perform on the same stage with. But, you know, I know them. So, like, when they're all kind of in the same room, it's kind of like a big family reunion. And it's like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you. How you been? You know? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And what deal. award What award did you win uh, in 2020? That year, I won the People's Choice Award for Best Folk Americana or Blues Musician. All right. So add that to the list. Folk, Punk, Blues Musician, Award-winning Musician from Northeastern Pennsylvania. And you're also like an illustrator too, correct? Yeah, I've been an animator since about, well, I've been an illustrator since as long as I can remember. And I've been an animator since 2014. And I still do that here and there. Um, I just put a film out last year, Devil to Pay, um, which is actually the first chapter of a film series. It was supposed to be a pilot for a series, but when I realized it was just going to be way too much work for one person to do, I was just like, we're just going to make this short film series because I think it'll hit a lot harder if we do it that way, as opposed to trying to put out uh, 15 minutes worth of animation every month. There's just no way without an actual dedicated team to do that. Um, but now I'm working on like, you know, smaller stuff for the workload because I got a lot going on. So it's impossible these days for me to just like sit down for 20 hours a week and, and try to belt out animated shorts every other week. So just kind of trying to do something a lot, like a lot easier in my wheelhouse, I should say, you know, sure. trying to make it good quality, but not sacrificing anything because I'm overworking myself. Gotcha. Yeah, let's talk about you. You're very busy. Uh, you have a new album coming out December 2nd called Deconstructive Criticism. Um, and I uh, went through a little bit of your catalog on Spotify, and I don't think I realized how uh, how much music you have out there. Yeah. It's... Uh, this, is, this is probably, if you, if you count all of them separately, I think this is what, like your 10th release? 10th full-length album right because i put out a lot of singles or eps right but, i'm talking but that but 10 full releases is, is is pretty impressive yeah and i i think this one's gonna be in my opinion i think this one's the best one and i'm only saying that because it took us usually a record when i do it well number one when I used to do records, I would either record them myself or I would go to somebody with like a very low budget studio, like in an apartment or something or somebody's basement, or they'd bring the studio to me. Um, and it would usually take me a night or at most maybe a weekend to get it done. And this record, we did it with uh, Joe Loftus at JL Studios. And we started it with the intention we were going to finish it in a day. And I'm like, I have 17 songs. And Joe kind of just raised his eyebrows. He's like, ah, okay, well, buckle up. 
And at 4 a.m. in the morning on the first day, he's like, I think we got banjo done, most of the vocals, and we got the stand-up bass done. And Joe was just kind of like, all right, well, let's wrap it up here um, and figure out another day to do this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, if we have to. And then the next day, we did like mostly piano tracks, but we didn't get any like a lot done. And then we ended up having to do a third day. So realistically, it took us from August to October to get this record done. But the ending result is insane because compared to the other records I've done where it's mostly just like me playing the acoustic guitar and maybe like a bass here and there or something. This one has pretty much everything I've ever wanted to put on a record. It's got, you know, the banjo. It's a major thing in there. You know, it's got the guitar. It's got the grand piano. It's got the stand-up bass. It's got the washboard. It's got horns. Um, it's It's just a lot. You know, and it really came together very well. And Joe did an amazing job mixing it. And uh, Jay from S Dakota helped with engineering it as well. And, you know, it's just they're, they're a big part of it. And everybody involved, you know, just did an amazing job. Yeah, I feel like you're like a, uh, a songwriting machine, too, because there was uh, a couple times or a couple years, rather, um, that you released, I believe, two full lengths. In a year. At least that's what Spotify says. Well, my my big issue, I know when I first started doing solo stuff, here, here's what happened. So in 2009, I was in a band called Rage for Cousin Jamie, which is based on some Bill Cosby movie, according to our old drummer. And we, um, the drummer basically said he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm quitting because I want to start like a family and stuff and I don't have time for this anymore. So I was like, all right, that's fine. I said to the other guys, I'm like, do you want to just jam acoustic until we find a drummer? And they were like, hell no, we ain't doing that. So I just had all these songs that we didn't record. And I was like, all right, I, I guess I'll, I'll do something with these. And then at the same time, um, Marcelino Diaz from the band, all the damn vampires right now, he was like learning how to play guitar. And he was like, can you teach me how to play guitar? And I was like, maybe I'll teach you how to play my songs. And then if you could play those, you could probably play guitar good. So I taught him my songs and then he just started playing shows with me. And we were kind of like a duo for a little bit. And then we broke up. So then I had a bunch more songs that I had. And finally I was like, all right, well, I better do something with all these songs. So I recorded between... 2010 and 2011 and kind of into 2012 about three records and kind of just released them all separately just because it was like i had all those songs there and i was like i had to do something with them you know what i'm you know what i mean mm -hmm. um before i could get anything new out with me a lot of the time it's it's you know i just i'm always writing i'm always creating something um so that's probably why there were a lot of records in the one year. But it got to a point where I would try to record something new every single year. And then when I got up to about 2015, when I did self-reconstruction, I was just kind of like, maybe I should cool it on putting out full-length records every year. Because I think it just kind of 
it doesn't really hit home. You know what I mean? Like if the band puts out a record every single year, it kind of, it kind of loses its appeal. Mm-hmm. So it started with me. I got to the point where I would just take time on songs and like, I would just write a bunch of bare bones for songs like in a couple of months in one year. And then I would kind of sit on those and just tweak them and tweak them and tweak them for about like two or three years until I finally was like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm going to record these. Um, that's kind of what happened with martial law was I put out, I did some EP stuff, but then I ended up doing Charles Manson dance Academy, which kind of blew up in my face. And then the pandemic happened and I had a bunch of songs that I was just kind of sitting on and I was like bored like everybody else was just writing so that's kind of where all those songs came from and then i just you know nothing was changing so i just kept writing and then i i did and the flowers were still standing that summer with joe loftus and then after we recorded that it's i kind of just started making some blueprints for newer songs and that's where these songs came from because realistically, they were all kind of written in the fall of 2020, fall, winter of 2020, and then 2021 and most of 2022, I was just kind of tweaking them until I liked them enough to actually put them on a record. Gotcha. Now, I, you said uh, the Charles Manson Dance Academy. I feel like I played a song or two by them um, when I had a radio show. Is that accurate? You definitely did. And I don't think I realized it was you. Yeah, that was me. Um, That's funny. Well, I started... Well, the original idea for Charles Bates at Dance Academy was I was playing with my old friend, Adam. And he's an amazing drummer. And I was just really itching to play like something full band. So I was like, hey, would you want to play some of my songs with me? Like just drums and we'll just do like a full band thing. And I'm like, I know you're busy. Like, you could play when you can play, but if you can't play, it's fine. I'll just play acoustic. And then after the first practice, I was just like, I was like, can I, I can curse on here, right? I'm assuming. Oh yeah, you're good. I was just like, fuck this. Let's just start a new band. So that's where Charles Manson Dance Academy came from. Um, and we kind of blew up for a little bit. It was like, we were like the, the new pop punk band in the area through most of 2019 into what I don't even remember when we were banned. It was like 2018 to 2019 into yeah. 2020. And we even, you know, we did the EP and everything. And it's just, I wish that band, something could have happened with it, but you know, issues with members and me not really feeling it. It just kind of, kind of just blew up in my face I just, I, I, I have this issue where, like, I'll do something with the band, like a full band with my music, and then something will happen to just discourage me, and I'll just be like, you know what, maybe I'll just do this by myself for a little bit, and then if you guys are still down to play with me when I get my shit sorted out, then we'll play again, and then they usually move on to different things, and I'm stuck playing by myself again. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you have a ton of music. And like one thing I really enjoyed was some of the titles of uh, the songs. I mean, 
Uh, fuck you, it's Christmas. <laughs> Law and Order SVU Hazleton. Facebook status update. Love me, I'm a libtard. Um, that's just a quick uh, pull uh, off of some of these albums. Like, how do you come up with all the, the these songs um, and then the creative names for them? I mean, I haven't listened to every song uh, to see if the title or the, the lyrics matches like what the title kind of describes it as like, how does it all come together? Well, for me, when I was younger and I used to write was in a punk band. Um, I've always thought being in a punk band, you had to write political songs. And then as I got older, I kind of realized number one, I don't know shit about politics. <laughs> and number two, if I took that same enthusiasm to write things about my life that are troubling me, then I probably won't have to pay a therapist. So a lot of times it's about my own personal issues and things of that nature. Um, but sometimes I'll take a, a couple different things like topics and kind of combine them into one song. Like I have this one song, Oh my God, what the hell is it called? It's called Blue Screen of Death. And it's kind of a real jazzy number. And the song is, I wrote it while I was animating season three of Crust Tunes. And I was like just brutishly single at that time. And I was kind of doing the whole Tinder thing. And I'm just thinking to myself the whole time I'm going on these Tinder dates. I'm like, you know what? I don't even know this person. They could like stab me in the back parking lot of a bar and put me in a trunk. And that could be the end of me and nobody will know or care. And <laughs> I kind of took those two ideas together. And I was like, this is a good song. like, And it worked because people like that song. But like, I'll do that a lot. Like there's a lot of newer songs on the record. Like destructive criticism, it's about um, some old band acquaintances and some old relationships, and a lot of it is about trauma. And I kind of put that all together with uh, um, a lot of uh, topics about the housing crisis, you know, and kind of made it an analogy of that, which was that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, like I'll just take like a few different topics, make them into one big song, and somehow it it just makes you know a good song and ends up with a kind of funny or catchy title, yeah, like uh, Xenophobia Warrior Princess. <laughs> no, I love the names of the song. It's it's one of those things. that's always like I I I noticed that, especially like like uh, Hank of the Disco, for instance. They have a lot of like um cleverly uh titled songs and even uh uh fallout boy uh their mm. their song titles are, are pretty creative as well <clears throat> so I mean, it was one thing i noticed yeah i mean like i feel like for me at least like a lot of people think that i'm like a stand-up comedian and i don't see why because if they actually listen to my lyrics or my songs they would realize oh this this dude's got a lot of problems that he's trying to sort out but i feel like with naming the songs things like that 
you know, like, fuck you, it's Christmas and xenophobia warrior princess. Like that's eye catching. People be like, Oh, what's this song about? And then they'll hear it and they'll, they'll like it because they gave it a chance. Mm-hmm. Like I got a song called, um, the world is my transgender bathroom and I'm no longer afraid to die. And that song <laughs> is about, um, hiding in the bathroom at a show from somebody you don't want to see. Um, <laughs> but you'll see that title and you'll be like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. What's this about? <laughs> That's smart. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, you mentioned Tinder. What's uh, any interesting Tinder stories? Um, Wow, that's years ago. That's no years name, ago, man. No names, no names. But there, I mean, there's there's one really interesting one where um, I didn't I did meet a girl, and we, you know we started hanging out, and then I find out like she lived in this apartment by herself, barely any furniture or anything, and at like two o'clock on Sunday she was always like, "All right, you have you have to go." Cause um, I have to go walk over and, and pick up my kid from my ex-husband's who lives down the street. I'm like, okay, that's normal. Perfectly normal. Hey, can I meet your kid? Nope. Nope. This is after like about two, three months. And then I kind of asked her, I was like, you want to go to a show with me? And she was like, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go with you. And then a week later, I was just kind of like, so what's what's going on here? Are we like a thing or what's going on? She's like, well, I thought I told you I was married. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm still married. And I'm like, so what was at the apartment? And she's like, oh, we rent that out. I'm like, so you're still with your husband, but you're like dating guys on Tinder. And does he what? know about it? And she's like, not really. What? And then she's like, "So, are we still going to the show on Friday?" Or and I'm like, <laughs> "No, nah, nope. I don't think that's gonna work out for me." <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that is so amazing. No, nah, I'm not super proud of that one. I was kind of. Well, I mean, how would you know? I mean, got the you, net you, thrown you, on over me. <laughs> yeah, you don't expect to be lied to like that. That's crazy. Yeah. I've never, <clears throat> I've never been on any of the social dating apps. I've been with my wife. Uh, We'll be together in 2000 what next year is 2023 so it'll be 19 no 18 years wow 18, is it 18? no it was 18 2008 so 12 13 14 no 15 sorry i can't do math 15 it'll be 15 years next year that's a long time yeah it was a long time i'm married for seven um so yeah i never uh had to do the whole dating uh app stuff but uh I, it's one of those things it's like I'm glad I didn't have to. Yeah. And there's wild shit like that. that, that it's, hell. It's, it's, like, it's like the wild west out there, man. It's yeah. Bad. That's funny. like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm in a relationship now with somebody super special. Um, but like, like we just don't talk about anything before we were dating, but like randomly we'll bring up stuff. Like I, like I told her that story about the, the married chick and she was like, like, I, like I was just like, kind of like sitting there on a couch. I'm like, yeah, so one time I went on a Tinder date with a married girl, and she told me she was married, like, after the third date, and she was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but those, I mean, the technology is weird, because I, I just did a uh, a marketplace thing. I went to, to, to see something that someone was selling, and um, I was very concerned about, like you said earlier, about, you know, if I go here, like, let's say I'm going to a warehouse to see this machine. 
Um, and this guy just puts a knife in my back and I'm dead. <laughs> like, how weird is that? That's very weird. And then like people like using Ubers and stuff, like they're, they're telling, uh, especially females, I mean, it could be anybody, but females to make sure they, they check the, uh, the door uh, to make sure that the child safety lock isn't on. Yeah. That's so crazy to think about. Mm. Eh, yeah, Jesus, people are just nuts these days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Got to write a song about that. I should. I mean, I've never actually, I've only taken an Uber once, and that was in Las Vegas. And even then, I was a little uncomfortable. But that was, that's a whole story in itself. Um, so last year we went, I flew out to Vegas, um, because Tyler from condition Oakland was getting married to his wife, uh, sweet Anne Marie, and they were on tour for like two months. They told everybody, yeah, we're going, we're going on tour. We're taking a tour. It's going to be me and it's going to be Anne and we're just touring. That's what we're doing. And then they're like, Hey Ted, by the way, we're getting married in Vegas. And we want you to come out and be our best man. So you should definitely come out. And I was like, Okay, so I bought the plane ticket, um, and I went out there, and I made everybody believe that I was going out there to, to pitch an animated series. So I had a whole alibi and everything. So people were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Tyler and Ed are playing in Nevada this day, and Ted's going to be there. I wonder if they're planning something. But no, like I went out there for the wedding. I actually wore this jacket. And there's pictures I'm shaking and um, shaking Elvis's hand in the picture. But anyways, so the wedding after the wedding, which was a beautiful ceremony, we decide that we're going to walk the strip. We we parked the car by Fremont Street in a parking garage, and we just walked the strip. And it took us about two three hours to walk from Fremont Street all the way down to the main Las Vegas Strip. And they had a the chapel gave them a free bottle of champagne and that bottle of champagne was gone for them by that time and they were just like i don't want to walk anymore it's like two in the morning they're like let's get an uber and i'm like an uber in vegas i don't think that's a good idea but the guy was very nice he blasted uh jungle love the entire time we were going there like i'm pretty sure he had it on repeat Use it all right. Yeah. That's, but that's my experience with Uber so far. One and only? That's my it? one and only. I've never taken another Uber. My, actually, Chris Decker, who I used to play with, he was an Uber driver for a while, and I rode in the car with him while he was on the clock, technically. So I guess I guess I've Ubered twice. <laughs> Uber's a wonderful thing. I wish we I wish when I was like uh, you know 21. <clears throat> that uber existed um because you know taking a cab really wasn't uh not that it wasn't an option it just wasn't uh i don't know that was scary yeah it was scary but uber not so much i've ubered a lot of times as a, as a grown adult hmm. it's very safe don't worry about drinking and driving well i mean i don't drink so I never really had the, oh, okay. Yeah. I had like, I mean, I used to, used to drink a lot, but that was before Uber was a thing. So 
you know, back then, if Uber was the thing, I would have been all about it, you know, right. but, you know, it kind of popped up after I stopped drinking and I'm just like, well, son of a bitch, this would have been really convenient. <laughs> now, is there a reason you stopped drinking? Um, I just did not like the person I was. Um, cause I, you know, I had a lot of problems with alcohol and I just, mm-hmm. One day I kind of just dusted myself off after a house party and I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I got to stop this. Sure. So I, it was on St. Patrick's Day of 2013 and I had played a house show and I had, I had gotten a DUI the previous November and I didn't want to drive home so i was just like i'm gonna sleep here on the floor and i'm like nobody fuck with me and they're like all right all right all right won't fuck with you and of course my best friend decided to draw over my fucking face and yeah. you know people were keeping me up all night and accusing me of doing things that i like didn't do like I, why would i steal your cocaine if i don't do cocaine you know <laughs> um and it's just all it's just the whole like party scene like it's just for me it got so exhausting and just like it just felt like i was just eating away at myself so i was just like i'm like i'm like i can't do this anymore i'm done and like i just drove home and the next day i just quit cold turkey and then a month later i didn't realize how severe alcohol withdrawal is and i had to end up going to a doctor and get put on medication until my body kind of like evened itself out. And then I was all right. Hmm. So that's good that you can recognize it. Cause some people can't, you know, and they yeah. get caught up in that and they just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a dark hole. Yeah. Well, some people can drink leisurely and be normal, but some people can't. And that's a problem for them. So it's, it's whatever, you know, it's not saying alcohol is a bad thing. I'm just saying, if you have a problem with it, you should probably seek professional help. Seek help. Yeah. Yeah. I did sober October uh, a couple years ago. Um, I was kind of, it was like during the pandemic. So, you know, my, my thing was always, I was always out, you know, when I was at the weekender, you know, I was out doing stuff with the night with weekender and, I was younger and I was in radio doing the same thing. And, you know, you always going to go into a concert or a holiday party, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, alcohol always be, was like associated with those things, <clears throat> but uh, 2020 nothing was going on. And I, and I, I thought, you know, I couldn't remember a time, you know, even like before I was 21 um, where I would go, you know, a week without alcohol, like, you know, at least, you know, the weekend you party with the your college friends and shit like that. So I was like, holy shit. So from like 2002 or three, all the way to 2020. So like, let's say it's 17 or 18 years. There wasn't one week that I like didn't have a drink. And that's like kind of wild to think about. So I did sober October and uh, I should have kept going with it just because like, I, I did feel a lot better as the, uh, the, the month went went on but then my birthday was november 1st <laughs> had a drink and then it's thanksgiving and then it's christmas and then you know name 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 excuse to have a have a drink you know yeah but i was just kind of glad i was like 
do I have a problem? I don't think I have a problem, but I don't, I don't know. Cause I never tried to not drink before. And um, yeah. Well, if you go out on the weekends and you have two or three drinks, five drinks, and that's what you're going to have for the week mostly. And maybe you have like a beer or two, like throughout the week, you don't have a problem. Now, if you wake up at 10 a.m. and have a beer before you go to work, then you probably have a problem. Sure. Because I was, I had moments like that. Um, and I definitely did have a problem. We recognize it. You took care of it. That's good. Yeah. It's awesome. Good for you. That's sweet. Yeah, this is this is probably terrible PR for you because you just released like a a beer or something, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's sold out. Sold out in two days. Well, that's uh, good. Yeah, and, and this is not bad PR. I mean, the fact that you uh, you know overcame a problem you had that's uh, that's great. That's a lot of people can't recognize that the problem they get too far in and they can't, they can't get themselves out of it. So, you know, yeah. good for you for being able to address that and say, Hey, you know what? I got to, you know, figure this shit out because if I don't, this is going nowhere fast. So, so thank you for sharing. That's, uh, that's awesome. Some people can't even do that. You know, they have problems that get fixed, but they don't, they don't, they don't even talk about it. So you did all the above. Good for you. So, but Back to who Ted Hazard is as as a musician. Like uh, you have a very unique voice. Um, some could say it's not for everyone. Um, I'm sure you can appreciate that. Um, it's unique. It's it's it's. I like it. And there's like a, some of your earlier stuff. I feel like there was like hints of uh, early saves the day tones. Uh. Um, but talk about your, your music and what people who may not have heard of you before, what they can expect from it. And, uh, and again, your voice, what's the word? Is it, is it, gro- is it grovelly? Is that the word I want to use or grab? A lot of people have compared my style to, I've heard one person say it's like if Tom Waits was in green day. Okay but didn't have the band. Okay. And I'm kind of like, ex- like accepting that relishing in that. But recently, like the last couple of years, more and more people have been saying, I'm more like less folk punk these days as I am more of like, kind of like blues slash. Some people have called me like indie grass, which I think is a really cool term. I've never heard that before. So I kind of like just took that and ran with it. Because it's because it's it's less and less folk punk as the years go on. Because you know, a, a lot of people will hear folk punk, and it's like you tell them folk punk, you're like, oh, so you're one of those guys who just like strums on the guitar really fast and screams. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. I I play songs and I put a lot of emotion into it, and I have a really deep, gravelly singing voice. Yes, and a lot of people really love that. And yeah, it's not for everybody, but if I sounded like every other singer out there these days, then I don't think anybody would like me. Sure. Either everybody would like me and I would sound exactly like everyone else. And, you know, I would be like, I'd be like a dime a dozen, or I can just be this unique person with my own unique style. And, 
people will just be like, oh, that's Ted Hazard. I know who that is. Right. Well, it's funny you say that because when you said the Charles Manson Dance Academy, I put the two and two together, the voices. They're the same. I'm like, wow, holy shit. I didn't realize that until just now. So, yeah, it's, it's unique. It's good. I like it. But with it, be, with it not being for everyone, like, did you ever have trouble like booking shows? Um, <clears throat> not, not normally. I, I don't really have any issues booking shows these days. In fact, I'm trying to book less just because I'm so busy. It, it's 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 a really slippery slope because I have a full band now that play my songs, and like we got, I think we have two shows left this year, and one of the no, yeah. We have two shows left this year. One of them is at Curry in Wilkes-Barre, and one of them is a house show in Wilkes-Barre. So it's like, yeah, I'll play Wilkes-Barre because it's only like a half-hour drive from me. But, like, I get offers all the time to play places in, like, Buffalo, New York, or, like, hey, you should come on down to Virginia and do a show here. And it's like, I can't do Virginia in a weekend. Like, it has to be a tour. So it's it's not difficult finding shows now. And I will get on some like softer singer songwriter stuff and, and people seem a lot of older people when I do those things kind of seem to appreciate me. They're like they're like, Yeah, you're kinda like a really, really angry Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask that question because I was like, Oh, it's it's you know, your music's weird. It just it was one of those things where, you know, maybe a lot of venues want people who play you know, the top 40 stuff or sound similar to that. Mm. Something that might more be more uh, appealing to the masses as opposed to something different and unique like your style. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, if I don't appeal to the mainstream, it's not I'm not really going to lose any sleep at night. Sure. You know, I feel like I have a, a niche audience and that's fine with me. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I can't get over the amount of uh, music that you have out there. Um, that's awesome. And I'm really looking forward to uh, this new album that's coming out December 2nd. Yeah. Now, do you have anything lined up to uh, kind of coincide with the release of that, like a show, or is it kind of around the Curry show that you talked about, or are you just kind of putting out there and seeing what happens? Oh, that reminds me. I do have a release show on December 2nd. That's and cool. that's actually in Pottsville at Pilgaroo. It's a brewing company slash bar. And I'm going to be playing with Horse Professor, Churches and Trains, and Bezelbub and the Screaming Demons. But December 11th, no, December 10th is the Curry Show. Cool. So that'll be my first Wilkes-Barre show after the album is released. And I'm going to have CVs, which oh. I don't know if you remember those, whoa, but like whoa, apparently... Whoa. Apparently they're making a comeback and everybody's having like a big fit about it. They're like, oh, but vinyl just came back and now CDs are back and it makes me feel old. And I'm like, well, we're here like, great, because getting vinyl pressed is insanely difficult. Right. Every single vinyl distributor I've talked to, I was like, hey, how much to get vinyl done? They're like uh, over a grand. And I'm like, ooh, not going to do that. Got to find a record label. And then I shopped the record around for a month. And my old label was like, 
hey, Matt Pless isn't putting out any records soon. Do you want to do a record with us again? And I'm like, well, what do you know? I have 17 songs ready to go. Do you want to pay to get vinyl done for me? They're like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then nobody can get vinyl to us within a year. Hmm. So it's it's a slippery slope. So I was just kind of like, let's let's get CDs done. Maybe people will buy them. And what do you know? People are getting back into CDs again. So. Which is crazy. And I was going to say, you know, like, like cars don't even have... Uh cd players anymore but then again right. cars didn't have uh record players either so right but i i never got into the whole vinyl craze i mean i was i was buying cds up until probably maybe two or three years ago before i just like financially kind of myself in the ass and said yo dude you can't keep doing this because i was going in gallery sound just to go in there and i would walk out spending 50 bucks every time and i was doing that once or twice a week. So I'm I'm walking out with CDs, you know, spending you know, between two and three hundred dollars a month. And I'm like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. This is uh, right. not financially responsible. But uh yeah, I don't think I would go back. I don't know if I would go back to buying CDs again. I just the thought of having all that, like I mean, my my collection as it is 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 just too much. I'm holding on to it. So when my kids get older, maybe they can kind of Maybe it'll be cool again at that time. Right. Dig, dig through it. But I also like what I find about even like DVDs and CDs, like I like going through it because you can kind of go through and, you know, what you have is what you have. Like when you have the phone in your hand, you have unlimited access to everything. So it's like, it's hard to think about what, you might want to listen to, right? Whereas if you're looking at a CD collection, you can kind of go CD by CD and, oh, I haven't listened to Bare Naked Ladies in you know, 20 years. Let's throw that on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like it's more of a, with CDs anymore, I feel like it's more of a collector's kind of thing. Like they're making a lot of like actual CD and cassette players again. So I feel like it's going to be like how vinyl is. It's like, you're not going to listen to CDs in your car. You're going to have your phone with you and listen into the Bluetooth, which is what I do. I, I love it. Like I, I didn't get a car with Bluetooth until 2020. And when I, when I finally figured it out, I was like, Oh my God, my whole world is just opened up for me. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to listen to different music every day. And then like, I just listened to the same music for five days. <laughs> like I'd listen <laughs> to the interrupters for five days straight and get bored with it and be like, all right, what else is on here? Um, but yeah, I feel like it's just going to be people like collectors and, you know, they'll go home and they'll like that experience of just sitting at home and putting the CD on their CD player and just listening to it in their house. Yeah. Maybe I'll get lucky. There's, there's times where I've gone out and bought CDs and I just bought it because uh, I loved the artist and I wanted to quote unquote support them. Um, so I just brought it home and put it on my, my shelf. So there, it's like still in the packaging. So maybe one day, you know, 30 years from now, maybe one of those CDs will be worth a ton of money. Yeah, perhaps. Maybe like the iPhone. I heard that the original iPhone in its original package went for some insane amount of money. I, I still have, have not ever had an iPhone in my life. What? never shockingly not once what, what do you use i i've just been using 
I forget what I used until because I've been using the Samsung Galaxy for okay. Well, so you have a smartphone, so whatever. 2018, but before that, I don't even know what I was using. I had one of those uh, phones where you like slide it up, and there was a little keyboard on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I would go back to that time like tomorrow if I could. Right. Like, would love to have like a flip phone where it would take you an hour to text your friend. So therefore, I just wouldn't do it. Or like you were only accessible if someone called you. Like you know, there was no email on your phone, no Facebook notifications, no Instagram, no no Twitter, nothing. Right. Give me give me the the flip phone back. Yeah, I mean sometimes there's I got a lot going on, so like my phone is always blowing up. It's always <coughs> sorry. It's always something with a music or a show or something with band practice or something with a, a voice acting gig and my phone just keeps blowing up. Um, and sometimes when I'm at home, like with the girlfriend, I'm just like, I just put the phone aside and I let it die. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, I'll get to that when I get to that. Cause like right now I just need to disassociate from the world as an entirety and just kind of veg out for a little bit on the couch. And when I'm ready to, deal with that again i'll go back right that's good you have to kind of separate yourself from the right the machine but well dude i'm excited actual cds december 2nd deconstructive criticism what yeah. uh any uh any titles of songs you could share that i could i can share the entire track listing with you if you'd like i have it yeah. right here do it hold on let me 17 tracks that's a banger too like that's that's the unheard of i don't think a local musician has uh put out a a, a full length like that since uh stay loud i think stay Loud just put out like a 15 or 16 song yeah i uh i you know when we when we were mixing the final you know the final mix of the cd at uh, five in the morning, like Joe Loftus usually likes to do. That's when he does his best work. He kind of just looked over at me with a big smile on his face and he put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, <laughs> no more 17 song albums. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I'll put out a five song EP next. <laughs> what was it like working with Joe? Um, I feel Joe, like a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of local musicians have uh, uh, worked with Joe and Jay you mentioned Jay Preston from uh, S Dakota. Yeah. Um, that that studio has become like this, like a. It's not just a, a studio; it's like almost like a, a community, so to speak. It's it's been pretty cool to see uh, a lot of the local musicians coming in and out of there and talk about their experiences there. What was it like for you? Well, I've been going to Joe actually on and off since two thousand three. My first band which was a, a punk band called Joking Hazard, um, went there when Joe was still in the basement. Um, and we ripped our first album there, and it was really cool. And I think at that time, Joe wasn't actually recording full-time. I think he was just doing it part-time. And then I think like the following year or so, he started doing it full-time. But I recorded there as Choking Hazard. I recorded there as Terror Town High is another band I was in and then I recorded there was another band called Pope Fiction and then I kind of you know moved out on my own 
didn't really have the money to do like a big record. So I was mostly just recording myself. And then when Charles Manson Dance Academy started doing stuff, everybody was like, oh, let's record. I know a guy who records. I know a guy with like a home studio or I know a guy who can do it with a four track. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself after we tried these guys, I'm like, I'm like, I want this to sound good. I'm like, let's go to Joe Loftus. And they're like, Who's that? I'm like, I'm like, that's the that's the the Tiger's Jaw guy. You don't know who that is, so I, you know, message Jaw was like, yo, want to do? I'm like, I haven't heard from you in like ten plus years. I want to do a record with you. He's like, come on down. Give me, let me know when you're available. So since we did the Charles Manson Dance Academy CD, I just just was like, I'm like, that's it. Like, I'm like, ride or die now. I'm just going to Joe for my stuff because it just sounds so much better and. Then I think I did martial law with Tyler from Condition Oakland just because it was the pandemic and everywhere was closed. And then when Joe opened back up, I was like, can I do an acoustic record with you? Do you do acoustic records? He was like, yeah, absolutely. And we had an absolute blast when we did that one because it was just me, my friend Chris Decker, who helped with some instrumentation and Joe and we did and the flowers are still standing and the original track of that which is guitar and me singing because i really didn't have any ideas for it and then joe was like hold the phone wait right there i've got an idea he runs in the studio he's like hit play on the on the board so i did so he just starts adding bass drum to it and then he's like, now I want what I want you guys to do after I get this, you know, in time, I want you to add claps to it. So it'd be like bump, bump, you know, and then we added like a tambourine to get it kind of like a little chain effect. And and like he just like lit up like the fourth of July. He's like, he's like, yeah, I fucking love the singer, the singer songwriter shit. I love this kind of percussion shit. And I never saw him so excited to do something on a record before. <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah. But working with Joe was a lot of fun. This this record was really cool because we did a lot of different things. Um, we tried. We really, really, really tried. When I did the last record with them, most of the songs I played guitar and sang at the same time. And then I just overdubbed everything else. This record, we did all the instrumentation first. Or most of what we needed. And then I did the vocals. And to isolate everything and kind of just, you know, work on it individually just makes the record sound so much bigger, which is awesome. And then we were going to have a drummer. So like we did a click track to everything. And then the three drummers that said they would drum on my record, all were busy. They all had something to do. So what I did was I did a little trick I did on an old record. I did, um, called candlelight and i i employed a washboard with a stick attached to it now the idea of the washboard with the stick is you use the actual stick as the bass drum and the washboard itself kind of acts as the snare so i put a tambourine on a brush and i would hit the metal part of the washboard kind of act like the snare and i would hit the stick on the ground like the bass drum and when we went back on the second day to add percussion, Joe's like, 
we have this thing. It's like a, a pedal that you step on. And I thought maybe we could use that as a bass drum for the record. So I show up with this washboard stick contraption and he's like, or we could try your thing, but I think we're going to try the pedal first. I'm like, all right. So we tried the pedal. He's like, all right, let's try your thing now. So I started playing it with the song and he just stops. He's like, all right, get rid of this pedal thing. We're just doing your thing. Cause it sounds way cooler. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. But working with Joe was a lot of fun. I've heard great things. I've only been down there one time. I was uh, doing some voice stuff for, or interview stuff for um, Main the Medicine and Ty Soul. I was like, I did one of their lead-in things uh, for that. And I was only down there one time. But we had uh, had, uh, uh, pizza from Benny's, which was fucking amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Joe and, and Jay were, were great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, go. You, you asked the question. It's your show. No, no. I, I, I was done. I was going to say, I've, I've been there tons of times. And, like, I'm a legitimate, like, like verified voice actor. Um, I've been not once done any voice acting gigs at Joe Loftus's, which is surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of voice stuff, I did I did a uh, a little segment for you on your one of your uh, animated things. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. That actually, fun. that, that was, was fun. That was cool. That was a really cool thing about the pandemic was like, because I've been doing like animation stuff for years, and I don't know voice actors, so I'm always just like, "Hey, get my friends to do this, or I'll just do it myself." Yeah. And then when everybody kind of was at home, like we all kind of found each other, like everyone who did cartoons, like on the internet. And then it kind of turned into, Hey, you want to do like a voice thing on my thing? And it was like, Oh yeah. And then you could do a voice thing on my thing. And it'll be like, Oh, those guys know each other. That's cool. Yeah. And then well, that was really cool. Cause that kind of spitballed into me actually getting people met, like emailing me and be like, Hey, would you like do a voice part for like my thing for money? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. That seems like a little bit much, but yeah, sure, I'll do it. And I don't know. I guess I started that in 2020. I guess it's like two years later, I'm actually getting like, you know, like regular voice work, which for me, I feel like is like nuts, you know? Because <laughs> now, as far as voice work goes, like, what, like, do you have to change your voice for some of these characters and things? Or like, is this just they're looking for like, straight reads or how does that look oh no like i gotta change my voice for a lot of the characters yeah like Um, accents and stuff accents you know deep voices high voices funny voices that's cool different dialects um it's just it's it's wild because like it 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 kind of just started with me like working in a kitchen and just doing like funny voices all the time and people laughing and then i would do my own cartoons and i'm like i don't want this guy to sound just like this guy so i'm just gonna change my voice a little bit Hmm. and then i never even thought while i was doing that like hey i can kind of make a career out of this and it just kind of happened you know without me even really trying that's cool it's pretty cool very cool. Well, hit us with some of these uh, uh, track titles. Oh, yeah. I have it over here. It's all up. Okay, so the first title 
is a gatekeeper. Okay. Um, that's a kind of a funny one, but not. Second one is insurance policy. Um, third one is destructive criticism, which is the title track. One is shitty, <laughs> which is, that's a funny song. Um, Marquee, which is actually on Spotify right now, the old version. Cancel Me, which actually just released on Spotify on Friday. Uh, Nihilistic Northeast Pennsylvania. Let's see what else we got here. Anarchist Hotel, which is not very funny. Uh, this one's called Cody, which is just a name. Um, House on the Hill, that's on Spotify. 2 a.m., that's on Spotify. Miserable Young Man, which kind of funny this one's funny blue lights matter like like the kmart blue light special right blue lights matter that song's right. about working a retail 2022 helping hands mercy kill and cocaine elvis vibes and those are all the song titles very cool well, i'm looking forward to hearing them oh yeah i'm I'm really excited for the record to come out. I, I think people are going to be blown away by how immersive it is. Yeah. Where can people find you on online? Uh, Spotify. Just look up Ted Hazard. Um, YouTube, Ted Hazard. Got all my cartoon stuff on there. A little bit of music stuff, too. If you Facebook, um, look up Ted Hazard on there. There's my personal profile which is a verified creator profile now. And then there's my music page, which is also Ted Hazard. I don't understand why Facebook did that. Cause now it's like, I have two Facebooks. Right. Um, and then I have a Twitter, Ted Hazard, you know, Instagram, Ted Hazard. It's all Ted Hazard across the board. So Ted with two D's, two D's, one Z. A lot two of people D, think it's Z. spelled like Dukes of Hazard. Right. Of course. Of course. Well, Ted, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. It was nice to, a blast. to, to say more than two words uh, to you um, and me be sober. I'm sure last time we met at uh, the V spot and well, maybe not. I don't think because 2020, I was there with my wife. I probably wouldn't have got out of hand. Hmm. It's when she's not there that I get out of hand. The last two years I got out of hand. <laughs> Not out of hand. I just had a good time. I Ubered. I Ubered there this past year. And then Ryan Grutt from uh, University Drive drove me home. I've never met those guys. I keep hearing about University Drive, but I've never like met them, met them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so weird because like every mostly everybody like a lot of people know who I am. It's like if you say, Hey, you know Ted Hazard? Oh yeah, he's that guy with that uh fuck you it's Christmas song, right? That's who that is. But like but I don't meet a lot of these people. It's like it's like, oh, I'm from University Drive. I'm like, oh, I heard of that band once, <laughs> once or twice. It's just so weird. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah, <clears throat> hard to get out there and be uh, be a part of it all all the time. Mm-hmm. Get down all the shows and they're playing. This will be released probably a day or two before they play. They're playing. Uh, up your way, uh, the Keystone stage, which I think is an elephant now. That's that's the opposite direction to me. I'm in Hazleton. 
Oh, you're in Hazel. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why I thought you were in Scranton. No, nah, Hazelton. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm on the Hazleton. I'm on the ass end of Northeast PA. Well, that makes sense though. Law and order SUV Hazelton. Yes. There you go. It's but like, uh, oh. All the big kids get to play in Scranton and Wilkes Bear, and then I'm just behind. I'm like, "Hey, everybody, I'm here too!" And they're like, "Hey, Ted, how you doing?" <laughs> well, now I get it. Why? Yeah, it's it's probably uh, it's not the easiest drive to make. I mean, it's not that far, but it's it's not uh, next door by any means. Hazelton. Yeah, I mean, when you're used to doing like like four hour drives for like tours and stuff, it's really not no that big, big of a deal. No big deal, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, Ted, thank you again. Looking forward to the new album, December 2nd, Deconstructive Criticism, available on all the streaming oh, services. No. It's Destructive Criticism. Destructive. Did I say Deconstructive? I think I know. I I I said it wrong. Okay. Destructive Criticism. Yes. <laughs> deconstructive Criticism. Yeah. Destructive it's confusing criticism. because I have an album called Self-Reconstruction and another ep called self-deconstruction yes so. So, yes i'm getting i'm getting them all mixed up and putting them together <laughs> but destructive criticism december 2nd streaming services and cd which is wild so as far as the cd goes is that going to be available online or just like at shows that you have we're going to do it at shows online i'm going to try to get it in gallery of sound there you go that's a big maybe though and i'm sure i'm going to be able to get a young at uh young ones down in uh kutztown okay because they still a lot of they they actually had a lot of my records for a long time so i'm gonna try to get it in there too gallery sound used to have a nice like section of local music but like that was when local musicians put out albums like yeah now it's all digital so it's Mm. i'm sure that still exists probably a small section you know all the albums from 06 and shit like that I think I still see, I saw a running with the kid album there a couple of months ago. And I was like, this came out in 06. It's still here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, best of luck, man. Um, Hopefully I can catch one of your shows that you have coming up. uh, Or hopefully you're, you're booking out in the next year and I'll see you soon. All right. I'll see you soon too. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. We'll see you.